What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Master Mindset Podcast. It's about mind, right? We know you can't just train the body, you gotta train the mind. So pumped to have one of my good friends, Joanna Loman, on the show today. Let's see, she's a 16-year soccer pro on the U.S. national team stint and mindset coach, author, um, just a badass. You know, one of my favorite people to just converse about life, uh, peak performance, mindset, everything, life. I go to, to, to Joe for a lot of things. Um, I'm pumped to have this conversation. How are you, friend? I am good, Colin, uh, my fellow room tilter. And you forgot one oh. of my favorite, my favorite titles, which is Celesbian. So your favorite celebrity lesbian is up in the house. Celesbian, the, the, the Joe Hawk is really, yeah, we are uh, both room tilters with Limitless Minds. So we've done some workshops together. We've, we've uh, co uh, did some co mindset work together with a company up in Cleveland. And uh, we've just done some work together I've learned a ton um you inspire me um you're a dear friend but I think we kind of talked about pre-show what would be a good topic you know for our listeners to get some value and we have listeners of all ages all backgrounds we got sports we got schools we got business we got sales we got leadership and I think a huge gap in the development of our, our young people is parents expect their kids to be coachable yeah to to develop to work on themselves on their on their skills in all facets but why is it so hard joanna for parents to be open to do that same work yeah I, such a great question colin and i deal with youth athletes every single day of the week right youth athletes and their parents and just coming off of getting a license through u.s soccer to become a pretty high level coach on the field and then our our, men, our mindset training off the field it's so interesting to me to come across a lot of parents who don't fully understand what is best for their child, right? They really, the intention is to help their kid reach the highest level, reach their dreams. And it's just a difficult, a gap of figuring out how to actually help them get there, right? They think they're doing the right thing. Um, they feel a lot of pressure to do certain things because of the way that our country works. And so the, I, th I would say the goal and the, their heart is there, but the actual application um, is a little bit off just because of um, the way I think that youth soccer and youth athletes are taught these days. Okay, so some of your training you had recently, there was some um, training on the cognition of connecting with young people. What, what, what was that about, aside from yeah, skill no, work? Yeah, there's, so getting my coach's license on the field, you talk a lot about being able to connect with your players, right? The coach-player relationship. And first and foremost, as you and I both know, you really have to show every athlete that you work with that you actually care about them, right? As a human being. And so often life revolves around objectives, goals, achieving a result in sports. We talk about winning and losing. So, so many kids wrap their identity, wrap their worth around wins and losses. And so as a coach, you have to figure out a way to connect with that child outside of that results-based mindset or else you're going to be reinforcing the wrong things, right? And the kid is not going to necessarily understand that you care about them um, as a whole human being, as opposed to um, an object that can win and lose. So what, what's the parent's role in, in that? So the parent's role is to really support your child, but take a step back. It's their journey. Um, and the more that a parent tries to intervene, 
Uh, we now call them Zamboni parents, snowplow parents, parents who want to smooth the ice, right? Who want to plow away the snow so their child doesn't hit any sort of adversity. Their child can, starts every game and plays every minute and is this all-star of the team, right? You don't necessarily want that for your child because they're not learning to tolerate adversity. They're not learning how to be resilient and persevere. So the more that the parent steps in, you're actually doing a disservice to your child because you're not allowing them to experience all the lessons that sport teaches you. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just going to throw out some stats. Is that yeah. okay? Yeah, right. please. So, so I nine sports interviewed a bunch of kids and 31% of these kids surveyed said they wish their parents were not at their games. Yeah. Now, if I'm doing parent mm -hmm. workshops, I'll ask how many times, or have you noticed your kids play, like they had their best games when you weren't there and you're like, Oh yeah. man, I wish I could have seen it. That's not a coincidence. There's yeah. a reason for that. And the other stat that floors me is that seven out of 10 kids quit sports by the age of 13. Right. So, and then anxiety is the number one mental health concern in teens. Yeah. So I, I think let's go to the source. Like what can we do as parents? And then the other question that just floored me as you know, early in my career as a mindset coach, I'd work with youth athletes all the time. We meet at Starbucks at 6 a.m. Um, there's different club organizations where I would you know, meet every Monday. We'd have like group training. And one of my first questions early in, in that work was like about fear. I, the yeah. top was fear, asking questions of where does fear come from? Like what's the source when you feel that you know, shame and like your body changes in a negative way or like you know, that heartbeat and just that gut, oh, I just feel really sick about this what's what are you thinking about yeah because when you're two three four you don't give a crap you just right. on to the next thing and i just got floored over and over and over again it was i'm just after the game i gotta talk to my parents or yeah. the car home where they're gonna like ask me why i did that or i can just feel their energy from the the sideline yeah and i just had this like epiphany like well we coach the kids every day but like the parents have zero coaching right like zero training so if you could give parents some advice um like maybe from your book maybe, maybe give the listeners yeah. the title of your book yeah the title of the book is called raising tomorrow's champions and it's a parenting and life lesson book we interviewed over a hundred of the greatest soccer players of all time from the women's national team and they gave their own personal advice through anecdotes their own stories of what parents should do to help their child reach their dream, whatever dream that may be. And, you know, one thing that Abby Wambach said so eloquently is that on the ride home from a game, you only want to say a couple of things, right? You want to say, Hey, I loved watching you play and maybe picking out one instant or one circumstance where you really saw the character of your child come out. Right. I love that you were the first player to high five your teammate when they scored, you know, something that is process oriented, something that is character based that you can point out that you were paying attention for your child. And then you shut up right? You let your child lead the conversation from that point on. But the last thing that your kid wants is after a game is have their parent analyze their performance on the way home, right? They just want to know you're there, that you love them regardless of the result, and that you're going to support them at any point throughout their career, right? And another thing is just realizing that sport is an avenue. You know, sport is an avenue for your child to reach their own potential and their own greatness. And you should allow your child to play multiple sports. Um, we have this fascination, I think, as Americans with specialization from a very young age and scientifically proven that's not effective for kids. Emotionally, socially, uh, development is stunted when you only play one sport. So 
it's really important that parents allow kids to really sport sample, right? So they can find what sport fits them as an individual, what sport fits them socially, and then allows them to create um, a wide array, a wide array of experiences to draw on, right? Because you can translate what you learn in basketball to what you learn in soccer, what you learn in football into what you learn in baseball. So building uh, a great all-around athlete is about allowing your children to sport sample and to really find what they love. So it's really allowing them to pursue their own passion. That's really cool. No, I really like that. Um, why is it so hard for parents to do that? <laughs> Let's just identify some of the the barriers that we, we can tell parents to do this, but they, they don't right. do it. Right. Like, no, so, it's, it's so true. There are so many pressures. I think the whole idea of your child keeping up with their peers. So if you play on a competitive soccer team, um, baseball team, and you see your peers, your teammates training outside, right. Getting extra training your child may feel pressure. The parent may feel pressure to get that additional training, which then takes away from their ability to play other sports, which also can lead to injury, right? So there's pressure from parents. There's pressure from clubs. Now you have sports that are 365 days a year. There's no such thing as an off season. You have so many games, Colin, right? Like so many games. Um, and there is pressure from the clubs because clubs make a lot of money doing this to consistently play all year round, which again, is not good for the kid emotionally, not good for the kid socially, nor is it good for them um, physically. It leads to a lot of injuries, overtraining, and the, and the burnout that you spoke of, of kids quitting before the age of 13. It's just it's just all too much for them. Yeah, I know. Well, um, there's a few things I think kids, kids need to feel safe. They need yeah. to feel safe to be themselves, to make mistakes, to learn and grow. Um, and also a question I get from parents is, um, they're not motivated. I mean, to be the best, they have to put in the work and they kind of come at me. How do I get them motivated? So I think we need to allow them to own how they show up and, and own yeah. the, their own passion. How, so if you had a parent that came to you, Joe, gosh, we're, I'm spending this much for private coaching. I'm, we're yeah. traveling this much. I've invested 10 grand a year. And I feel like all he or she wants to do is play Xbox. Yeah. or they're on, on their phone the whole time. Like they need to be getting the reps and the work in. What would be your advice there? I would tell the parent to ask their child, is, is this what you want, right? Because their actions clearly are telling you that they are not living the life that um, they currently are being told to live, right? So it's, it sounds like the parent is more living out their dreams than the child. So it's really important that every parent allows their child to lead the journey. And that comes from a lot of listening, right? Listen to your kid, ask, what do they want? And it, many times it may not be to play high level sports, right? And that's often the parent's dream is to have an athlete who's going to make it professionally, but that's just, you know, data shows that's not really possible for a lot of kids. So just listen to your kid and ask what they are passionate about, as opposed to um, enforcing that on them. Um, what would you say your parents did for you? I mean, you're, I mean, this is what every club player who loves the game of soccer probably dreamed of to, to, yeah. to, to represent your team, your, your country to play 16 years professionally. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Like what, what did your parents do for, for you to help my you, parents, to help you shape this? Yeah. It's, it's so funny because my parents didn't know anything about soccer. Really. They didn't, my dad played high school soccer, but that was about it. Um, my mom never played soccer. So 
They drove me to practice. They make sure I, I got to the places I needed to be. They would come to my games, but not always, right? We had, I had two other siblings. So my parents supported me, but they never pushed me. It always, for me, was an intrinsic motivation purely by my own motivations, right? It was never, they never had to say, Joe, go out and practice. Joe, we're going to get you a personal trainer. It was always from me personally asking those things of them. And then they supported it, right? They did everything that they could to support whatever dream I had, but it was never their dream. It was always mine. Wow. I think that's, a parents are hearing that, that's just, you just answered that, that last question I had, you know, yeah. where it's hard to be great world-class if someone's making you do something. You have to love it so much yeah. that you uh, get filled that way. Um, now, thinking about how you want to raise your kids in this, how are you going to do it? How are you guys going to do it? Yeah. Like, are you going to like expose them to everything or are you going to like, what's, what's your game? I know it's a ways out there when they're that age, but. Yeah, no, I, I will. I definitely will expose them to as many sports as possible. And also like the arts, right. We want them being creative, um, really trying to uh, give them different experiences so they can figure out what they love. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be that parent that forces soccer upon my child just because I played it. And you know, you, you said something earlier that really kind of sparked my brain is that we're teaching kids now really to play a sport to please the coach or the parent, right? Uh, I don't know, Colin, like growing up, we played pickup, right? Just pick up. My friends and I would go to the local elementary school. We play street hockey. We play tennis. We played basketball. There were no parents around. There were no referees. We didn't need all this equipment. We just played and we played because we loved it. And that's something that I really want to nurture in my own child is doing something because they love it, not mm -hmm. so they can look over at the coach and, and get a thumbs up or look over at their mm -hmm. parent and get a high five, right? I want them to do it purely because they love it. And that's why I played mm -hmm. soccer is just, I love the sport. I love to practice. I love to get better. And that had nothing to do with getting a college scholarship. It had nothing to do with a trophy. It had everything to do with that was like 100% my passion. So that's really what I want to nurture in my own child. That's good. Uh, do you know what country has won the most medals in the winter Olympics? The last two Norway. Well, let's just talk about this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, they don't keep score below the age of 12 and they give no monetary bonuses for Olympic winners in the winter Olympics. So again, um, you know, people always say, well, doesn't winning matter? Of course, winning matters. When I would play pickup with my friends, winning, winning meant so much to me, right? I would die to win that street hockey game against the rival neighborhood. And it had nothing to do with the trophy that had to do with because my own pride, right? So that's something you want to instill intrinsically in your child is that competition, that desire to win purely for their own, right? Respect, reputation, um, pride. And I think that's what they're able to do in Norway is really nurture kids' desires to play sports purely for um, the competitiveness, right? And their own passions, as opposed to keeping score, trophies, extra money, um, all those extrinsic things that we attach to sports don't exist. What do you think? Yes. Yeah, no. So it was, as I read the research, read the articles, it was, uh, there's, they, they give you access to, mm -hmm. to go to the mountain. I think a year pass was like 60 bucks for the entire, basically yeah. year or winter. Yeah. And it, and, uh, if you can't afford it, they had programs where any kid can get access if, right. if they ask for it. And then there's no times or rankings or podium or trophies mm -hmm. until the age of 13. Yeah. So I think what we do in society, I've seen people on Instagram, they have a seven under 
World Series or baseball. Like they're getting or eight, they're getting (laughs) championship rings when they're eight. Yeah, it's true. So in Norway, like it's not that they don't keep score and they don't give medals nothing. There's just nothing. They're just let's get better. Let's learn to love the sport. Right. Let's get better and learn to love the sport. So that foundation of what you associate that competition is it's, it's intrinsic, it's growth mm-hmm. development, it's collaboration. It's not for expectation of a parent or a coach or a trophy. It's like, I'm going to develop my skills. I'm going to learn to love the sport. Yeah. If you get up to the higher levels, if you can still maintain that approach where I love to play and I want to get better. Uh, I remember Tom Brady was interviewed. He was going into the, the Super Bowl when he won with the, the Patriots. And uh, a bunch of kids were asking him questions like, why are you so good? <laughs> He's like, because I love everything about this game of football. I love yeah. the preparation. I love watching film. I love the process. I love practice. Um, so it's hard to be good at something if you're just doing for the extrinsic, the outcome yeah. result. Now, it's good to want to win. I love winning. Um, but uh, I just think that's a good, I mean, that's evidence-based. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's a, it's a country of 5 million people. LA has just under right. five. Yeah. New York has like over eight, eight, eight million. Yeah. So it's a country of five that's dominating the whole world, 5 million right. people. Yeah. So it's just interesting to, to think about that. Um, I, I would love to uh, kind of talk about like you as a person, you as a human being, Jolo, uh, <laughs> um, some, some events that kind of shaped your mindset to do this work. You know, I think yeah. I, when I, you know, you played a lot longer than me, a lot longer when I was done with college, um, I had this identity uh, challenge, like, who am I? What am I going to do? Um, and I'd had a lot of struggles with confidence, stuttering, self-love, self-worth, everything. Still working through that. But I just felt called to, like, I got some tools now. And I want to help people with the things I've, I've struggled with. Yeah. There are some moments or memories that kind of shaped you to, to, to do this awesome work. Yeah. No, it sounds similar in a sense to yours where it was... I would say my setbacks and my failures that have motivated me to do this work. One, you know, the first moment I think about is coming out at the age of 21 after being engaged to a man, right? That's a huge identity shift, what seemed like overnight. So being an advocate, being open and proud with my identity was a huge piece of that. And helping other people to feel comfortable in their own skin has been one of my top motivations um, in life and kind of one of my missions on this planet. So it's to make people feel more comfortable in their own skin. And then some pretty epic losses in my career in championship games, how I mentally, I would say, digested those losses of not just losing, but not even stepping on the field and losing. So not playing, being on the bench, not playing, losing the championship game was something that was really, um, it was a, a situation I had to really overcome. And then, you know, injuries throughout my career. So tearing my ACL in 2017, which should have been the best season of my life. And then um, I missed the whole season because I went down and tore my knee ligament in the first game. So there's just been so many situations where I've had to be incredibly mentally resilient in order to get through, I would say, a lot of personal challenges and just like huge shifts in my identity, right? Coming out and then failing, like losing, right? When you attach your identity so much to an outcome and you lose a championship game and you don't play, that's humiliating. How do you come back from that? And then the whole idea of tearing my ACL is like my identity as an athlete was kind of shattered. So how do I then pick up the pieces and redefine who I am and continue to move forward? So 
you know, those are just three of about, I would say 20 massive failures I've had in my yeah. life, but I've been able to share kind of what I went through to help people get through their own sense of adversity. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to pull through two themes of what you said that I'm yeah. really interested in learning about. I think that our listeners could gain some value at it. The first one is like, how, how do you love yourself? Yeah. So important. Right. I don't think we do. I think that's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's such a great question. How do we love ourselves? But we talk a lot in limitless minds is like our self-talk, right? Our self-talk leads to our own sense of confidence. So even though I was going through some pretty difficult situations in my mind, I wasn't beating myself down over it. Right. I tried really to be compassionate the same way you would be Colin. If your friend was going through something tough, you would try to build them up. Right. So self-talk building myself up, I can get through this, right. Embrace the struggle. Um, you know, I love a challenge. Like these are things that I often say to myself and I think if I'm not doing something that scares the crap out of me, then I'm not living my life the right way. So I think that's important for me. And part of my authenticity is doing things that make me feel uncomfortable because I know that there's growth in them. So I would say that's how I would encourage people to find their own sense of love is that you will go through adversity. You're stronger than you think, and you're going to get through it. Um, and you're going to be even more resilient afterwards. So how do we though get out of our head and into our heart in terms of like self-love. I mean, I'll, I'm all about your ad campaign, yep. uh, championship self-talk, as I call it, like, yeah. you know, thoughts become things. Um, but there's, I, there's almost like a deeper acceptance of compassion. I think mm -hmm. we all hold on to these uh, shameful moments that, you know, have shaped our identity, our belief system in ourselves, how we see the world, how we think the world sees us. Yeah. So if you're speaking to younger, younger Jolo, yeah. knowing what you know now, that like 20 year old, or yeah. that 16 year old, 17 year old, that, that 11 year old yeah, with compassion and kindness, like what, what would you say? I would, I would tell my younger self that you can be so much more than what society tells you, right? We often really label ourselves. I'm an athlete. Um, you know, it's, it's very narrow, our definition of our own identity, so to expand the definition of who you think you are, right? You're not just an athlete. You're not just a student. You're not just a student athlete. You're not just um, a daughter, sister, father, right? You're a whole human being. So when one piece of that doesn't go well or maybe gets taken away, that doesn't mean your entire identity is shattered. It just means that you're gonna figure out a different side of yourself. And I think for me growing up, you know, I was a huge tomboy, right? So. I felt like I sat right in the middle of the spectrum of gender. I wasn't a boy or a girl. I was right there in the middle. And then for my sexual orientation, I had no idea that I could be gay. It just wasn't an option for when I was a kid. So I would tell myself, you can be so much more than that, right? You can expand outside of the boxes that society tries to put you in because we all try to put each other in really restrictive boxes and it's dangerous and it really limits, I think, our ability to thrive. Mm, that's good. Okay, now let's shift gears. You said these two words together, mental resilience. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important to teach young people and any age, um, the science of resilience, the, the, the process of um, what you choose to focus on to, to take the next right step. Um, do you have any models or beliefs around, around that? Yeah, it's a great question. I think back to when I tore my ACL and I have an acronym like Colin Henderson likes to create um, and it's called ARM. So the A is just, it's for acceptance. 
So for me, when I tore my ACL, it's the acceptance of my life is going to be completely different. Right. And I thought I was going to be a leading goal scorer. I thought I was going to have assist that season. Right. I thought I was going to contribute to my team. And all of a sudden I was in surgery 12 days later. So acceptance is just understanding what your current reality is. Letting go of the shoulds, letting go of the coulds. I could have scored eight goals this season, and then really accepting that. And then, well, hold on, hold on. I need, I need, I need to just dig deep on these three. Yeah. Okay. Can we do that? Because I, yeah. I feel like I'm getting, I'm getting coached right now. Um, how do we accept it? Even though it's hard, we don't want it. It's, yeah. uh, you're in this despair mode. Like, yeah. How do we, how do we accept it? Even though it's, it's horrible. Yeah. It's, it's almost an different version of grieving. So when I think about it, I coming out, when I think about tearing my CL, it's you almost have to mourn the death of who you thought you were going to be. Right. We all have expectations. We all have visions of what we think our life is going to look like. And adversity means that that vision of our lives has shifted somehow. So acceptance means mourning the death of that person. Right. I had to mourn the death of old Joe, because Joe was not going to score eight goals that season. Joe was not going to have assists. Joe wasn't going to be playing every single game. So it's a deep sense of grieving that really comes with accepting those emotions. Right. And that for me, was like sobbing. I was so, so heartbroken and asking for help of admitting, like, this is how I feel instead of saying, Oh, I'm fine. Right. Cause I wasn't fine. Admitting that I'm not okay. And being okay with that and kind of sitting in those feelings until you feel like you can process them. And then you're able to kind of take that next step because you process those emotions. You can't, you can't act like everything is okay. It's not uh, acknowledging it's okay, but also accepting this is the rally I'm in. Now let's move on to the R. <laughs> yes. So the R after you accept all those emotions is to reset, right? We often talk about this in limitless minds, your reset word or reset your identity. So for me, when I tore my ACL, it was embrace the struggle, right? Knowing I'm going to go through a lot of really hard things, but I'm going to embrace the struggle and stay present because there is so much beauty in that breakdown. And the more that we try to look past it, for instance, if I said, oh, I can't wait to play soccer again, or I can't wait to run, then I'm dismissing the beauty of the present struggle, right? So that reset allows us to stay present, embrace the struggle. So we don't get too far ahead into the future. And then also we're not stuck in the past. So that reset for Joe Loman is part of my identity was being an athlete. So being an athlete for Joe meant no longer running down the soccer field. It meant trying to crutch, right? Crutch from my living room to my kitchen to get something to eat. That was what athlete, athletic meant to me in those situations, right? So that's resetting your identity to understand that you're still a whole loved human being, but it's just going to look a little bit different. Once you say part of resetting is having compassion for yourself. Yeah. hundred percent. Why, why are us athletes achievers so hard on ourselves? It's so hard yeah, to yeah. reset sometimes. Like we, we yeah. get so stuck on this identity of, of, of peak performance and winning and yeah. when we fail or it doesn't work out, like that's where resetting, I think was kind of challenging, right? Yeah. I think we, define our own contribution so narrowly, right? Like if I'm not on the field, then I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm not contributing to my team because I'm not playing 90 minutes, but really there are other ways to contribute to the world 
besides playing 90 minutes on a soccer field or starting a basketball game or right. Like finishing your race and track, like there are other ways to contribute to the world. So actually getting injured allowed me to realize all the ways that I could contribute. Right. Since I wasn't able to play that season, I was on a float for gay pride and things like that, where I was able to contribute in other ways to society that didn't consist necessarily of running down a soccer field. So it's being compassionate with ourselves that we have so much to contribute to this world and just realizing that we don't have to be so narrow focused in that contribution. And I think uh, a phrase that I try to embody and teach people kind of the connect accepting and resetting is I'm not defined by this. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm not defined by the good result or the result that I'm not happy with. Absolutely. And staying neutral, which means go to truth. What's in my control, not go negative and taking the next right step. What, what's the uh, M M like what you just said, it's, it's the movement, right? M is for move. So just take the next right step. And that oftentimes is something very small. So maybe it's going to physical therapy. If you're injured, maybe it's just, um, you know, meditating, letting go of things that aren't necessarily uh, neutral or positive in your mind. So it's just taking that next right step that leads you to whatever objective that you want to get to, right? It's part of the process. That's good. Um, I got kind of one or two more questions. You recently did some mindset work. Wait, are you master mindset certified? <laughs> I am. Yes. I really enjoyed Man, that course. I'm, I'm curious to hear like, what's the concept or what's a, a tool that, that you've, that you've used recently or that like really like, okay, yeah, this, this makes sense to me. This is a, a good, a good tool or a good, yeah. a good, a good model. So I have my own soccer camps and I had one last week and I take them through mindset training. And one thing that Colin, that you taught me is just the, the whole idea of the brain being broken down into the four sections, past negative, future negative, um, future positive and past positive, right? So um, encouraging the kids to understand where their mind usually is. Is it in the past? Is it in the future? Um, Is it typically negative? You know, where are you within those um, segments of the brain? And then teaching them how we can think neutrally because right? 80% of, of peak performers operate in the present. So of encouraging them and giving them tools to, I would say, shift from the negative um, into the neutral and really focusing on that confidence corner that you speak about, you know, how do that's you get good. that confidence? Yeah. Well, and that starts with awareness. I don't, I don't think a lot of people generally are aware of where their mind is. No. You know, they're mostly uh, reliving trauma, drama, daddy and mama stuff, mm-hmm. pre-living fears, anxieties, they don't want mm-hmm. to happen and they just miss out. So I think if there's anything, I think um, just to piggyback what you're saying, how do we deal with adversity? How do, do how we deal with change or mm-hmm. setbacks or um, parenting? Yeah. Be present. Yeah. Right. It's so hard. Isn't and, it? It's, and hard. It, it's so easy to say, Oh, just be present. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's so, so mindfulness uh, is the practice of being self-aware to being present without judgment. So it's a practice, it's an awareness and it's not judging. So it's just noticing where your language is, yeah. noticing what you're emphasizing, noticing if you're really engaging. And I think all our kids want us to be is just present. We have these mm-hmm. cell phones, we have emails, we have text yeah. messages, we have Instagram, we have TikTok, we have comparing with the, with the Joneses across the street or in, in that club team. Yeah. But I think all our kids want all peak performance. If you look at peak performance as like a thing, it just wants you to be present. Yeah. 
So what is one thing you do, Colin? Like you're a father of five, right? What is one thing that you do to stay present with your own kids? I think just meeting them where they are um, and not having your agenda run the show, Mm -hmm. having their agenda run the show in terms of uh, whether it's, you know, just cuddling, watching a a quick little show. Yeah. Or um, when we're going on a, a walk as a family, like completely be engaged with that walk. We're having a meal, like, have the meal with them yeah um and and really ask them or get into what their interests are and get on your hands and knees and do that thing with them mm-hmm. whether it's um lol dolls like putting together mm-hmm. an outfit and like you know playing m- m- make-believe or yeah baylor my, my son Baylor likes legos like i i film we film videos we make we narrate videos together of his like Lego sets that's so cool i think just like getting in their world i think that is Cause it's so easy to be with them and just on your phone. Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy to be with them, but you're not with them. Right. And I think part of that too, as parenting, especially sports parenting is you don't have all the answers. Don't give mm-hmm. the answers. They, they have a coach for that. You're just mm-hmm. there. That's mm-hmm. why grandparent grandparents are the best fans. Yeah, exactly. Grandparents don't solve problems. They don't critique. They don't grade. They don't give solutions. They're just there. Yep. Cheering them on. So I would, those would be some things I would say. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, it's kids surveyed always want their grandparents to drive them home from games more than their actual parents. So that says something, right? <laughs> yeah. So if, if parents can just shut the heck up and just yeah. be, be supportive and have empathy and listen and just, you don't have to solve the problems, just listen, just be there. I think that would actually solve yeah. a lot of the problems and don't, don't be a jerk to referees and coaches either. Yeah. It must be hard, Colin, isn't it hard when you can't like solve your kids' problems? Like when they ask you something just to listen and not try to offer solutions? Um, Well, I think Hannah taught me this in her marriage. She was like, do you want me to just listen or do you want me to help you like find a solution? So just, I think maybe she can communicate. Um, Do you want to figure out a way we can get through this or you want to just talk about it. I'll just yeah. listen. You can kind of yeah. vent out and tell me what you're thinking, what you're feeling. I think yeah. a lot of that is just awareness of where they're at. Cause you know, there's tears, kids cry. Yep. Um, I just think you need to validate those feelings. Mm-hmm. If you tell a kid that your feelings don't matter or suck it up or stop crying, that's the worst yeah. thing you can do. Absolutely. So I, I think just allowing them to be seen and heard just that in itself, they're going to feel safe. They're going to feel, mm-hmm. cause crying is very healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and going through those emotions, but once it starts getting negative language, like I'm, they, they hate me, or I'm, yeah. Once it starts getting like that type of stuff, or I'm horrible. I'm not like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can yeah. see where you might feel that way, but you talk about new thing. Let's go to truth. Yeah, actually, that's not the case. This yeah. is actually what happened. Let's you know, kind of just calming them down. But um, again, it comes back to being present and um, listening. Uh, to understand, not to give mm-hmm. a solution. And, but if yeah. we can collaborate, you know, I think sometimes kids are looking for us for some help, but I want my kids to be independent thinkers. I want my kids right. to be decisive on their own. I don't want to have to dictate their behaviors and thoughts and actions. I want them to come up with their values, what their interests are. I want them to learn how to decide and make a decision for, for them. Yeah, no, I love that. I think, yeah. I think parents can learn a lot from you, Colin. <laughs> well, Joe Lowe, you're amazing. I, I love you a ton. You're a great friend, a great room tilter, a great coach. Um, just awesome. So where, where can people learn more about your awesomeness? Like where, where can we, where can we follow you? They can follow my website, which is joannaloman.com. And then they can also follow me on Instagram. I'm joannaloman15. That was my soccer number. The number that was retired for the Washington spirit. 
and um, Facebook and LinkedIn, they can find me. So um, many ways. And she's kind of humble there. Like the only number ever retired that organization that's, that's for the time impressive. being there'll, there'll be more but <laughs> yeah, that's good well uh joanna super fun and we end every single episode with this truth the body has limits but the mind is limitless, limitless. You're thank you yeah no thanks so much colin hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 